into the fast lane. Nick Miles is our auto expert. So drop it into gear. You've got a green flag. Here's Nick. Oh, it's uh, it's a been a very long journey to get to this radio station. 22 hours of flying, 28 hours of traveling, and the camel flu. More of that to come. Uh, we have a packed studio today. Ryan's here. Jen's here. Megan's here. Uh, John Eric's here. Looking all pretty in the uh, producer booth over there. Uh, he's had his hair specially done for the show. It, do you want me to put the sock on the microphone? Am I, no, it'll just make things worse. We're here to talk about cars. The, uh, the Portland Auto Show has been ongoing, and uh, our f- animal rescue rig has been in the show. Um, I went to see it yesterday just to check, you know, it was all in one piece because we, we let it, everyone get in and out of it and play with it. And uh, this gentleman came up to me who is about seven foot something tall, and his shoulders were just as broad, and he said, Hey, can I get a picture with you and my son? I was like, why? I wanted somewhere? What's <laughs> going on here? Like, fugitive at large? He said, no, I'm from Multnomah County Sheriff's Department. I did the search and rescue. And I really love your rig, and I want to take a picture with you. And I was like, wow, it's the first time I got recognized, and it wasn't because of something I'd done wrong. It's just I was really happy about that on the show. The rig's, uh, the rig's there in the corner <laughs> of the show. Uh, it's all linexed out. The guy had some hard-notch customs, uh, basically did the original design, and then a lot of other, got to pl- lot of other people got to play with it. And it's right next to the wheel craft booth because they did the, uh, the pretty wheels um, on the vehicle. Nice big sick rims, six-and-a-half-inch lift, uh, and part of the Animal Rescue Rig fleet. And now we've done this vehicle. I'm getting a lot of phone calls from people saying, can you make us a vehicle? We got a phone call from a guy, uh, well, the Yukon vet from the History Channel. She came down. She saw the vehicle. She wanted to know if we could make her one. Uh, we got a guy who does rescuing on the, another show on TV, asked if we could make him a couple. And Didn't the uh, United States Humane Society also reached yeah, out? Yeah, they, the, the S- SPCA reached out and said, we'd love to talk to you about being partners so you could help rescue some of our animals. So it looks like this uh, whole animal rescue thing um, is going to turn into a job. Uh, we're going to have to do lots of it. Oh, imagine that. Terrible. The only trouble is with animal rescue stuff, there has to be a disaster first, which is the bad part. And then I get all freaked out because if I can't rescue every animal, I feel like I've failed. And, I, um, and my other half's looking at me going, we're not having any more animals. <laughs> Just letting you know, there's no room for ducks and chickens and goats in our backyard. Because I want to go rescue everything. Uh, I talked to a couple of people from Ram the other day. They're like, if you, can, can we get horse boxes for you? Can you put horse boxes on the back so you can rescue horses? I mean, I'll rescue them if we can bring them to your house. <laughs> I'm not sure where I'm going to put them. Uh, you don't have an animal yet, do you, Megan? No. We, can don't. we rescue something for you? No, thank you. Really? Yes, really. What? You, you just don't. You don't do well with the animals, do you? You know, I just don't get it. I'll be honest. I don't <laughs> understand the animal lover thing at all. You have children. Sometimes I'm like, man, I just don't get it. <laughs> I know. So, yeah. One hundred and ninth on the list of things that Megan doesn't get. Sure. <laughs> you you have animals, though. I do. I have two Siberian cats. They're not really rescues, though, are they? No, no, not at all. You don't rescue Siberian. How much do you pay for them? A lot of money. Yeah. <laughs> you have a res- You have a rescue, don't you, Ryan? Yeah, I have a rescue. You have Cooper. Yeah. Yeah, so we all have rescue animals. We love it. I have three rescues and two, two non-rescue animals. 
so anyway, the animal rescue rig seems to be a success. And then the last um, week, this strange trip going to Dubai, for, and Dubai to Bahrain. The first thing about Bahrain, which is really weird, is it's a long way away. It's a long way. Where is it? It's in the Middle East. <laughs> so Saudi Arabia is a bridge away. Iran is just around the corner. It's, uh, you think it's a little scary. Is was, it an island? It's a peninsula. Okay. So I was a little bit uh, nervous going, first of all, because, you know, they say, hey, you're going to the Middle East. I'm like, oh, okay. You didn't look nervous in the photo you posted. Yeah, I was. You, there's some nervous photos in there. Did you uh, bring your Make America Great hat? No. <laughs> that would have made me really nervous. <laughs> um, no, but they, uh, they do have, I went and I found out, I did some research, and the, all of the tourist videos are of a, a man and a wife and their little white dog walking through the streets of, of Bahrain. So I was like, ah, oh, it can't be that scary if they got a little white dog with them that's trotting along behind them without a leash. So it can't be that. And then, you know, gay marriage is legal there. And so it's just a pretty progressive country. Um, the security is really high, though. It's just going, I went on the F1 track there, but the security is pretty high. Hotel, you drive into sort of two barricades, they search the car. Hmm. And you drive into the hotel, they take your luggage and they x-ray it and you go through metal detectors. I was at so, a hotel like that one time in Thailand, in Chiang Mai. They were, they want to make sure that you're really safe. Well, at least you feel like you're really safe. You don't know if you are, but it makes you feel like you're safe. The impression. Well, I did some research after that and it turns out that was like the only hotel in town that did that. Oh. So. Safest hotel in town, guaranteed. The most, the most disturbing thing that I came across was beef bacon. Oh, I saw that. <laughs> How was uh, it? Did it taste delicious? It, it was the most disgusting thing I've ever tasted in my life. I smelt it and I felt sick. Um, I love a steak. Who doesn't love a steak? However, here's the problem. They try and imitate pork products because obviously it's a majority of Muslim country. So they, it's unacceptable. They, and they, they pretend. That uh, chicken sausage. Well, we've had that before. It's not, it's not horrendous. That, that's a past thing. But beef bacon, it was... Really? What part of the cow did they make the beef bacon from? Uh, it, the sm uh, smelly part. It was not good. <laughs> uh, mm -hmm. Anyway, the good part of it is that I got to realize what a really bad driver I am. Because they gave me this car that... I could have told you that years yeah, ago. Yeah, 2.9. Well, I'm usually, I'm usually like in the middle of the pack. The instructor had to slow down to catch me up. In the middle of the journalist pack, though. <laughs> and we know yeah. how they drive. <laughs> well, I think they challenge you to see there's some pretty pretty good journalists out there that can drive. Yeah, there's one or two. Well, I can think of there's plenty of really, really good journalist drivers. But I'm I, an excellent driver. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, make one of them. Slow and steady. <laughs> uh, all right. But when they give you something that does 0 to 62 miles an hour in 2.9 seconds... I was way out of my league. Did you wreck it? Wait, no. I didn't get, it's so stable. Even if I, I drifted it around the corners and it was smoking tires, it's really hard to mess the car up. But if you don't get the gear right... Wait, which car are we talking about? The, the Lamborghini Huracan Evo. Ooh. Uh, 206, Isn't it all-wheel drive? Yeah, it drifts. They've made it so you can drift. Oh, my. Hmm. It's amazing. Uh, you drifted around the corners. Uh, the video, I'll be posting that on our auto expert tomorrow. So if you want to see the, me drifting around the corner. Are you screaming like a little girl? Oh, yeah. All right. You've seen the video. <laughs> really packed show coming up today. Loads of stuff. You want to stay tuned because uh, we're talking cars and we're going to have some exclusives with some new cars on the market. That's next. Listening. More of our auto expert with Nick Miles is coming up. 
your engines and you're off. Back to our auto expert with Nick Miles. If I was to tell you that um, Kia were a tease, they definitely are a tease. Uh, they've been teasing this vehicle for quite a while. In fact, they were giving rides in the new Kia Telluride before it became available. But finally, at the Detroit or the North American International Auto Show, we got to see the final Kia Telluride uh, brought to market. Eight-seater and uh, full of the latest tech. And to give us a rundown on the vehicle, James Bell is uh, joining us on the phone. He is the chief bottle washer at uh, Kia. <laughs> <laughs> uh, James, <laughs> first of all, uh, why, why tease us so much? Why did it take so long to show us the final car? We saw lots of different versions. You even got a ride in it at SEMA, but you sort of held because it back. You, you, because you love it, Nick. Let's I, be honest. I like it when you're a tease. It makes me feel <laughs> That's good. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> oh, boy. You know, well, we, we really wanted to uh, kind of separate ourselves a little bit. We knew we had an interesting vehicle here that we had, uh, you know, a couple of different elements. It had that, that style and that grace and, and, and beautiful interior uh, that we really wanted to highlight. So we did that at New York Fashion Week. Then we uh, toughened up a couple early production versions and took them out to SEMA and uh, beat that you-know-what out of them. And uh, then, as you uh, correctly pointed out, that we had the production version um, that debuted at the Detroit show uh, what week and a half ago. Yeah, how different? How different is the production version to the sort of the teasing versions that we got to see? Well, the, the the New York Fashion Week vehicle was made in conjunction with uh, consultation from, from Brandon Maxwell, who's a well-known um, designer, does a lot of uh, gowns for uh, Lady Gaga and um, Meghan Markle and a handful of others. Uh, and so in that vehicle, he wanted to really play up the kind of Texas chic uh, element. So, you know, we had... Um, Leather uh, wrapping the windshield, uh, sorry, the rear mirrors and the door handles. Obviously, things that would not ever make it through uh, into production. I uh, did uh, did some uh, really or, nice uh, or a car wash or, or a car, car wash, wash. But yeah, I think that's why it wouldn't work, work so well in production. Yeah, Kia's quality standards would be highly violated at that point. <laughs> so fine, we got a, we got a final uh, production version of the vehicle. What are the sort of standard specs? What are we looking at for powertrain and for space and for tech? Yep, a 3.8 liter V6 puts out uh, just just under 300 horsepower. Uh, it's Atkinson cycle, which is interesting. That's normally technology that's used on on uh, hybrid vehicles to get maximum fuel efficiency. Um, uh, Eight-speed gearbox uh, designed and built in-house by Kia. Uh, tech is really one of the places that it uh, really stands out. We've got uh, it's basically Kia's closest vehicle to um, you know our our upcoming autonomous future. Now, it isn't such that you can jump in it and push a button and say, take me to grandma's house, but it is absolutely loaded with uh, uh, sensors, you know, both on the front, the rear, um, uh, and even on the sides. One thing that's really neat, it is it uses the side sensors uh, when you come to a, a, a stop. So let's say you have kids in the back seat, and uh, they're going to jump out, you know, possibly out into, into where traffic is. If there's any sort of uh, threat, like a car coming, a bicycle, anything like that, those sensors are still working. And they'll keep the door locked until the, the threat passes. So yeah, this thing is um, again, it's it's our closest thing to autonomous, and it really shows that uh, you know Kia is taking a leadership position in this, and not uh, not just being a follower. Now, does it end up as part of the Kia family value proposition? Because that's always been the great deal for Kia: hundred thousand mile uh, warranty, ten years, right. uh, great fuel economy uh, for a reasonable price. You know, now you have an eight an eight seater SUV <coughs> with three rows. Is it still in that wheelhouse? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, we haven't announced final pricing on it yet, but it's going to position itself just a little above 
say where the Sorrento is now. So I'm guessing, you know, for a fully loaded uh, model, you'd be uh, just under 50. And for uh, a well-equipped one, probably in the uh, low 40s. That's so, fantastic. Uh, sorry, uh, yeah, around 40. So it should be, should be a hot seller. And, and one of the things that obviously Americans love right now is their three-row SUVs, large SUVs. A lot of other people jumping on the bandwagon. Is this about? This is about the biggest uh, vehicle you could build, isn't it? I mean, you don't have a it, capability of getting a bigger one. Yeah, I know. This is the biggest vehicle in Kia's history, and we we think it's coming out just uh, as you say at the right time, going into a real sweet spot in the market. When we look at you know, new competitors like the Volkswagen Atlas and the Subaru Ascent, which are doing both very well in the market. We're, uh, we think that we're going to come in with that Kia value story, uh, but then also a much more beautiful interior. We didn't really talk about that. Uh, what I was really enchanted by at the Detroit show was hearing media come up to me and say, my gosh, that's like a Rolls, or sorry, Rolls Royce, a uh, Range Rover interior. And uh, I didn't, I, I didn't see that, Nick. They, that's what they said to me. So I, I believe it. <laughs> it wasn't, it wasn't PR rhetoric. It was the truth. Wait, uh, and is that the Texas right. Chic? Yes, no, no. The Texas Chic was the uh, the model that they had out at SEMA, which was the one at New York Fashion Week. They had the leather on the outside. Oh, uh, yeah. Th- this, I would have liked to have seen that. Well, I I can show you pictures of Texas Chic. Uh, Megan likes anything when you mention Texas in front of anything. Megan gets really excited. Oh, well, so. these pictures are going to make your day. <laughs> All right, so when does this go on sale? When do we get to drive it? When do we get to play with it? Uh, I, it's ramping up production in a big way right now in uh, at our facility in West Point, Georgia, and uh, we are expecting uh, to have them in showrooms probably the back end of February, maybe early March, and, uh, and uh, have them out in the press fleet for good folks like yourself as soon as uh, possible. Uh, that sounds like a lot of fun. Uh, Kia... Is, seems to be doing extraordinarily well right now. You're selling lots of cars, you're winning lots of awards, um, and you're getting nominated yeah. for lots, including engines and interiors. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I've, I've really joined this company at the right time uh, because, you know, there, there's a, a term in Korean that says uh, pali pali, and what that means is hurry, hurry. And I'm basically uh, the recipient or the benefactor benefactor of some fantastic technology and design and, and ideas that were hatched uh, in Kia, say, five years ago, and now all starting to bear fruit. And so, yeah, it's, it's definitely on the company on the rise, and it's done with great product. It's not with, a, you know, a great PR guy or anything like that. The, uh, the technology as far as communication on the inside, you have an Evo system in there, which is, yeah. is really like a connection of all things, sort of safety and tech and navigation and audio together, right? And, uh, yes, uh, of course, Apple CarPlay and Android Auto come standard. Uh, and that's something, uh, and I'm sure you've noticed this, Nick, in some of the vehicles you've uh, tested lately, is still kind of hit or miss with other manufacturers and vehicles that are at much higher price point, uh, just to have that instant connectivity for no matter what, uh, what phone you have. A lot of other m- companies are making you choose one or the other or just plug into their own system, and that's not the key away. Uh, well, that, Dashi, you've hit a nail on the head there. It, it bugs me because I am an Android guy. Um, and Which I is know, super weird. I know. I'm an Android guy, but a lot, a lot of people don't like to embrace the uh, Android order. It's like Apple CarPlay or their system or you're out. And so I like yeah. that idea. All right. Yeah, we're, we're all in. It's a car for everybody. Uh, should we be watching Chicago and Detroit for the auto shows coming up for some special Kia information? Uh, well, we got Chicago coming up in what just a few weeks. Uh, just going to have some um, updates on some current vehicles. Uh, so nothing too super exciting. But New York, I'm excited to say I think we're going to have the first concept car 
that I've uh, been around to do the debut of, and, and it's a stunner. So, uh, yes, definitely keep your eyes open for New York in April. The last one we had was, uh, I remember, was the Stinger, and that turned out to be pretty cool. So That, that, that uh, worked out just fine, yes. Yeah, so that, that was a big a big winner for you guys. And the next one, well, all right, I'm holding my breath. Uh, James Bell, it's always delightful to talk to you, and uh, I will look forward to uh, having a Telluride in my driveway very soon so I can go test it and be rugged and manly and do outdoor things. So you're going to bring me? And Texas <laughs> yeah. Yes, exactly. All right, James Bell from Kia, and of course you can find out more at their website, which is uh, kia.com. You can go see their new cars. They're doing really well. I'm actually uh, super. You know, I remember the first Kia launch I went on was the Borrego. Um, that was probably uh, 10 years ago. That was a big SUV. It was very much like the Ford Explorer. Ah, it lasted about a year. That was right 2007, 2008, somewhere in there. And then fuel prices went up to like $5 a gallon. <laughs> that, that was out the window. <laughs> Goodbye to that vehicle. So that was the end of that. Uh, but they're back with big vehicles, which is nice. I prefer bigger vehicles. You, Jen, you have trucks, big trucks. Mm-hmm. Uh, Megan, you're from Texas, so we know the answer to that. Yeah. Oh, Ryan's in. Well, Ryan likes sports cars better. I like cars. Yeah, you like sedans. And just anything. He is the uh, oldest 27 year old I know. Yeah. He's like 55. <laughs> you're in <laughs> Craig. Who's Craig Colt? Does everybody know Craig Colt? Yeah. He's, uh, you're an old soul, aren't you, when you yeah. comes to your cars? I could get a sedan. But you don't like wagons. Like Nick does. I mean, I like, I, en- I enjoy a wagon, but I'm not. Nick. You're not, you're not a wagon waver. I'm yeah. a wagon waver. You put one and a half inch lift on a wagon, it becomes an SUV. Woohoo. You see? I'll I'm never understand the wagon. Yeah, well, all right. There's lots of things I'll never understand about you, Megan. We don't have time. Including Texas. <laughs> Coming up, more stuff. You're listening to Our Auto Expert 24-7 at OurAutoExpert.com. I'm Nick Miles. Stay tuned. There's more to come with Nick Miles. Jump right in and put the pedal to the floor. Our Auto Expert with Nick Miles continues. So if you haven't been to the Our Auto Expert website, uh, you should go. There's some very cool articles there. Perry um, went to uh, Valencia, in Spain, to drive the new 911, the Porsche. You can read his story there. Uh, also, we've had some, uh, some pretty cool stuff going on in the last couple of weeks, including this uh, trip... We just made, I'm uh, not sure why they invited me. Uh, I didn't think I was worthy because there was only like 12 people invited. But Don't complain. Don't uh, speak not, that out there. Uh, <laughs> don't don't throw it out to everyone. Uh, there was 12 people invited to go drive the uh, Hurricane Evo. Um, 12 TV journalists. And nicely, the Italians provided a TV crew, which were, um, footage is pretty amazing that they shot. Even the footage inside the car, it looks like it's done with like a cinematographer. Yeah, I... I think it looks okay. Yeah, well, it's raw, so what you're watching, it hasn't been... He's it just hasn't been you just tell us. <laughs> okay. I think it's pretty good. I think it's, yeah, I think pretty good. <laughs> anyway, this, uh, this car, 631 horsepower, uh, 5.2 liter V10 engine, and the human-machine interface, which uh, it's a little bit... It's I would say the interface system is the most I've ever had, like driving a... would be something similar to a Starship. Um, the cool thing about it is the things that... Like, you can tell I'm not a total gearhead, but what I find really cool mm-hmm. is to change the volume on the music or the phone inside the car, you take two fingers and you just tap on the screen and you slide the fingers up and down, and it'll change the volume. Three fingers, if you tap on the screen, it'll mute the volume. 
Which Imagine is extremely easy when you're on the track in a Lamborghini. Yeah, right. Putting so, two fingers well, on the screen is really easy. It's much easier than reaching to find the volume knob. Which, which I is think, normally on the steering wheel, right? No, no, they have it on the steering wheel too. Yeah, which makes so it really easy. So you could do, but you could just go, top, three fingers, and it's dead. I mm. like that idea because it's so much easier than uh, trying to find buttons and change stations. They've done everything with uh, just taps of fingers. I'm and glad it's really, that they're making life easier when you're driving a Lamborghini. Uh-huh. You it's have hard. to. Life is hard when you're they're driving a Lamborghini. They're trying very hard <laughs> to make this car usable for the everyday person who's yeah, not rich. I understood. That's why they, they made the Evo. That's what I understood. Is It's for the everyday driver. It's not um, for the track driver. It's for Oh, everybody. but it's way fast. It's three seconds faster than the last Huracan. Yeah, but is, that's what their thing is, though. That's their, their tagline is it's made for everybody. It's This is everybody's driver. This is everyday. So one of the big things about this vehicle is they don't improve the vehicle just to have better numbers. And I was like, what do you mean by that? I was talking to the uh, chief technical officer and he said, well, what we really do is if I'm going to create more horsepower, if you can go to 707 horsepower or 600, you have to have it usable. There's no point in putting more horsepower in unless it goes onto the road and is usable. If your wheels are just going to spin out and you're going to go nowhere, he says, what's the point? I think the car has to go faster. I take that. I take that. That's mean. (laughs) I love pointless horsepower. You don't love pointless horsepower? No, I want my horsepower to go to the road, not just to make noise. I love pointless horsepower. I do too, actually. Right? (laughs) There's nothing like a Hellcat. I want it to to go faster. If it's going to do it, I want it to go faster. And the Mm. other thing about this is I drove it in the regular road mode, which you would drive it in, in automatic, around the track for the first two laps. I couldn't handle it. The second you put it into Corsa or Sport and you go to manual gear, it's so much easier to drive, which is the first time I've ever had that experience. The car becomes so much easier to drive. And the way they've designed it is the car is intuitive. It knows when you're going to make a turn just by the way you grip the wheel and the way you move the wheel. So it's already powering the wheels where it knows you're going to turn into. So when you come up to a corner and I need to make the corner whip round really fast and stick the back end out, as I make that turn, the power is driving on that back inside wheel. You could just feel it spin forward and spin you up. And I was really, really impressed with that. I did have a bit of a language barrier with the Italians because there's one of the experiences I had, I've never had this experience before, and it's probably because I haven't driven an F1 track at such speeds. The only time I dared look at the speedometer, I was doing 260 kilometers an hour, and that was about midway down the back straight. I dared look down again when I got to the end because I was waiting for the brake lights to come on in front of me so I knew when to brake. So I was a little bit scared. But there is so much rubber on those tracks that they were replacing windshields all day. I mean, the round of rubber, it was like someone was spray cannoning rubber on the front of your car. It was like, boom, 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 boom. Pieces of rubber just hitting the windshield because the track's covered in bits of rubber that have come off the tires. Mm. And so there's bits of rubber and gravel hitting it and the windshield star here and a star there in the windshield. And that was, to me, an experience. I never knew that F1 drivers had to go through so much debris on the track. Did they have all of you at the same time? No, you just went, it was you and an instructor. Okay, cool. So, um, but they had eight teams out on the, no, is it eight cars, four teams at a time, so there's a 10-second delay. So the first team went, it was one, one, you know, they counted off, and the second team would went, because you would never catch them up, you're just going way too fast Hmm. on those. And there's a few people got themselves into trouble. I don't think they'll be invited back. (laughs) 
Was it you? No. Okay. No, they, they really like me. Now you could say you drove one, so we're even. <laughs> now I could say I drove one? Yeah, because you were complaining the last time. Yeah, this. I didn't, you didn't. I, that was my first, that was the second Lamborghini I've driven. I was going to say. I drove the Urus. I've never uh, driven a Lamborghini. Not that it, I can think it's, of. It's an experience. It is. I was in I love. I think you would really forget it. I was in love with Ferrari. Yeah, until I, until I drove a Lamborghini. Lamborghini. <laughs> and now, I mean, I still do. I get Ferraris and I understand it, but I have a different kind of appreciation for Lamborghini. And they're really, really nice cars. <laughs> and uh, they're a nice price, too. Starting price, $261,000. And that's for the average consumer? That, well, <laughs> that's for anybody. If you have the money, starting price of $261,000. Uh, if you, you know, want to put extras on the car, then it goes up from there. So it'd be a lot more expensive. I swear, earlier you said this is for the this is the car for the people that aren't rich. Yeah, no, Did the I people, no, the average consumer, meaning that you could drive it to work every day. Oh, during the break, I'll be explaining everything to Megan again. More out of our auto expert <laughs> as we continue. Stay tuned. More of our auto expert with Nick Miles is on the way. Our auto expert continues. Here's your host, Nick Miles. Uh, there's a lot of new uh, car tech coming out over the next year or so. Uh, we, we've seen cyclist detection added to vehicles. So as you drive, uh, vehicles will detect whether there's a cyclist coming and you could possibly... Uh, you know, run into a cyclist or have that sort of problem with a cyclist. Uh, low light detection of pedestrians, that's another thing that a lot of car companies are starting to put on it. Uh, James Bell mentioned it when he talked about the Kia Telluride. The fact is that now you can't open the rear doors to get out if there's oncoming traffic. And in the new Jaguar I-Pace, there's a little symbol on the inside of the car that lets you know if there's something coming and you try to open the door, it lights up. Which I think is a great idea, especially since you can't always control your... I mean, what, was it your biggest fear as a mother when you had kids, Megan, that they would open the back door and get whacked by a car? Well, I, there were times that my kids opened the back door while I was driving down the road. Oh, that's why they have child locks. Well, I know, and I'd pull over and put the child lock on. <laughs> but the thing is, I mean, sometimes you just forget or you turn it off for some reason. So, so you're saying that this technology will work... For the back seat as well. Yeah, it's it's for the back seats specifically. Oh, that's um, fantastic. And then there's also in some of the new cars, like uh, the new uh, Hyundai Palisades, I think it's called, they have a lock so you can disable the rear doors, but from a button up front. So it's a child lock, which has a button up front. So your kids can't open the back doors unless you hit the button. So that that's great, too. I mean, that's way better than having to pull over and get out of the car. And the best one, especially for you, Megan, which I know that this is something that would help you out a lot in your life, is that uh, you're, if you get out of the car and go into the house and you've accidentally left one of your kids in the back, the car will alarm you to let you know you're, there's something moving in the back seat. Yeah, I mean, that's huge. That's something that I think consumers have wanted to come to market for Jen's a really long time. giving me a dirty stare now because... <laughs> I was making a joke that you'd leave your kids in the back seat. Sorry. Look, I mean, you can say that you wouldn't, but the fact is, is that people a lot of do. people do. And it's one, horrible, and one time in Texas, I left Eden in the back of the car and I walked into Target and uh, someone called me on the phone and said, what are y'all doing? And I was like, y'all, y'all. I was like, oh my God. And I hadn't walked into the store yet. So, I mean, she was only in there for a handful of seconds, but I turned around and ran back to the car. Like, right. It can happen. And I have dogs in the back of the car, and, you know, sometimes you get to running errands, and your dog's sitting in the back of the car, and you you stop and get a Starbucks, you run into the bank for two minutes, or you run to the ADM and stuff, and then you get out, and then you get home, and 
I mean, it's one of the biggest fears is accidentally leaving the dog in the back of the car. Yeah, and it's it's a valid fear. God, scary. So the modern cars can actually uh, signal you if there's something left in the back seat of the car. It can send well, a text to you. What's nice too is like you. I think it's going to be double duty because the car will be able to do it and the car seat. Oh, they have car seats to do the it now too. Car seats are coming. Yeah. All right. Well, I mean, then you uh, we saw that horrible, horrible video of the lady that didn't install her car seat in the back of the car correctly. Oh, my gosh. And, and apparently didn't have the child lock, lock on. Yeah, and the car seat and the child came out of the car. And here's the thing. You can go to any fire department in the United States, and they will install your car seat for you. And they'll show you. You know, I'm a big, big uh, supporter of you being educated. So having a fire department installing the car seat for you is just... 10% of what you need to do. You should know how to have the car seat that you bought installed because if you have to take it out, you've got to make sure it gets put back in correctly and people aren't going to run to the fire station or the sheriff's department and have it installed each time. Well, so um, you should also know how to do it yourself. Yeah, and what's really tough is like the car seats that my kids were in were not the car seats that are available now. So I remember when my niece was born, I couldn't figure out how to get the car seat in. Oh All my right. gosh. Oh All my right. gosh, look at that. <laughs> <laughs> Jen, Jen's really excited because um, we we're going to have we we're have a guest on the phone but she actually showed up in in studio here um, and uh, <laughs> she's here in person uh, Miriam Schwar is here hey hey everybody how's it going I'm world famous best v- read your voice <laughs> world famous blogger uh, podcaster just showed up in the studio that's right mobiletechpodcast.com if you want to listen to this voice I, I watched a phone review of yours the other day uh-huh. And I, I just had to, because I miss you so much, because we spent two weeks driving around America together, and I had to play it several times. Oh, I was thank like, you. I was like, it was the, it was the Google Pixel uh, 3. Fantastic. And I, you showed the, the difference between the XL and the regular one. That's right. Um, so what we, was, what we were going to talk about was uh, tech. We were talking about tech and cars, and just before you walked into the studio... Thank you for coming, by the way. Oh, you're Surprise. very welcome. A little crazy out there with uh, some run or something going yeah, on. Yeah, well, there's always a run somewhere outside the studio. Um, so we were talking about the fact is that now all these cars can tell you if there's some kid in the back seat and car seats that can tell you if you left your kid in the car. Mm-hmm. Um, it's uh, And your pet, which is you know more for me because I don't have the kids, but That's I right. have the you pets. You have your own version of kids. Yes, I have four-legged furry kids. <laughs> Uh, so there's a lot of these new safety systems in cars are now telling us when we do things wrong and how stupid we are. Yeah, no, I think, I mean, you know, unfortunately people are doing stupid things and I don't want to be hard on them. Obviously it's happened to everyone. We've forgotten something critical in the car and the worst is obviously your pets or your kids, right? I mean, and we have technology. Why don't we put it to a service, right? And, and I think also the other thing is, you know, in the old days, if a kid was stuck in the car and you forgot and a person walked by and saw the kid, you know, they could maybe break a window or something. Now we probably have the technology to unlock the car remotely. I think it's a lot better to have these options at least. Yeah. yeah. Options are always good. Do you worry, because I worry sometimes, that the technology we have in modern cars makes us not to bother anymore because I the car takes... I think it makes us more stupid. Yeah, maybe, I, think I agree. Look, I'm going to say this. I, I feel don't think like, that at all. No? <laughs> no. I feel like uh, it has the potential. You know, I, I have cars that span three decades, and when I drive my oldest cars, I really have to be on top of it. And I drive my newest cars as much as they're much, much better. I mean, everything is so much better. I do have to say that the automation 
does make me complacent. I'm feeling it. I'm noticing it. And I'm a technology person. I love the tech and I love my cars. But I think it's tough. I think we have to perhaps continue, you know, driving older cars so we can remember what it's like and get trained back to i don't know i don't know how the solution i think i think the solution is you can't be a you can't own a new car until you've owned an old car that doesn't have all maybe maybe that's you should have to learn to drive a manual Manual, you should have no to ABS, no, no air conditioning. No air conditioning. <laughs> you should suffer. Well, no. you're going to have generations of people that oh, don't know yeah. how to drive a manual. Right. No well, roof, no it, seats. <laughs> a spike. I mean, where do we go? That's spike. the issue, right? I mean, like, what's the line you draw, right? It's really tough, right? Because, I mean, some people are hardcore. They're like, you know, fuel injection's too modern, right? I, uh, I, would, I would argue that fuel injection made everything better. So I just sold my Land Rover this week uh-huh. and I bought a Lexus um, SUV and wow. the difference between the two is amazing I bet like like I, I love my Land Rover don't get me wrong you can go through anything I used to take the police officers to work when it snowed but the Lexus oh my goodness me I mean the Lexus is like the Land Rover was a 2002 the Lexus is pretty new it's just a few, you know it's a year or two old so the Lexus is it's like so many years difference. There's 16 years between the two cars. That's not a lot, actually. It's but it, the difference is. That I this really feel this last 15 years have really changed things. Do you guys feel that? I mean, in terms of comfort, ease of use in yeah. every way, not just ease of driving, ease of everything. It's really a leap forward. And you know, I I agree with you. Maybe I'm being too strong when I say stupid. I think it's there's a potential there. I see it. Like I think there's a lot of people. Like this is a special show. We all car enthusiasts, so it's a d- different. I think but the average person just wants to get from point A to point B comfortably, quietly, and do other stuff. And ultimately, autonomous right. autonomy will take us there. And and for those people, maybe it's good. Maybe it's good that there's all these assists because they don't care anyway. They, they don't want to care. Eighty percent of people want their car to be a toaster, a utility. Correct. They just they don't. And then maybe maybe transport. maybe you're right then. But for those of us, I feel like I honestly feel as a car enthusiast when I drive my newer cars. Often, I I look I stop paying attention to things that I used to pay attention because I'm getting complacent. Oh, blind spot detection. Right. Maybe I shouldn't always throw the check. Maybe only when it's really critical. Yeah. You do know? you turn your sh- do you turn your head and look over your shoulder I less or more? Do. I do once in a while, but less. See? But yeah, See? you're right. So I can't get used to the rear view backup camera, and that's been out for a really long time. And every time I turn and look, I, I don't use what, it. What don't you like? I'll tell you what I don't like in technology. I don't like the rear view mirror camera. So where the the mirror is a camera, right? So it, I I have bifo trifocals, uh-huh. and it never looks right to me. It uh-huh. looks I look at it and I feel like I can't see everything. And I love. The rear view mirror camera. Really? Yeah. I remember the first time I saw it, I was thrilled out of my mind. Well, I, I enjoy it because I like to do things in the camera at the back when people are well, but, traffic. But when we camp, we pack a car. I mean, we pack that you, car out so we see can't out see at all. So, right. I mean, now you can. Miriam, what don't you like about new technology? Um, You know, the blinkers that don't have a physical notch anymore right like, so you just push I mean, it down it's, and I, it, I get it because some cars have the ability to turn the blinkers for you when you lane change and my tesla you know when i do autopilot it lane changes it does a blinker for you if i could override that it couldn't do it right? right so that's why they have that feature bmw started a few years ago i think a lot of people have it now but i'm like so old school i'm like i want my blinker to stay down physically down when i want it down 
and it t- takes me a really long time to get to get used to driving that car every time I drive because it doesn't have the. It's so funny you should mention that because um, the new Lexus GX I just bought is old school blinker. Like oh, it's a click down nice. and the sound is like. Oh, it's nice. Yeah, <laughs> there I are love just some that. things that you want. But with that said, I'm teaching my 15 year old daughter to drive right now, and and I'm having to tell her. She's like, wait, which way? Up, down? I'm like, oh, really? So I'm like, get in the left lane, push down. Get in the right lane, push up. And you know that's because if it's it's just a a temporary contact, there's no physical manifestation of what the position of the stock is, right? Mm -hmm. Because it resets back to itself. So kids don't understand because it's really up and down versus left and right, right? So if it, was, if it was on the top sticking up and it'd be really easy, you'd know to go this way. I think that's exactly the kind of stuff that we all take for granted mm-hmm. because we grew up with physical things and they can't fathom because they've never seen it or experienced it. Jen, what do you hate about modern tech and cars? I don't have as much. <laughs> <laughs> Jen has old school Chevy trucks. She, hey, listen, as long as it's got a manual, a big diesel engine, you're happy, right? No diesel. Oh, gas? Yeah. All right, yeah. gas. Yeah. Um, I am so excited you're here in studio, Miriam. Yeah. I'm, in fact, I'm so, thanks for having me. I should come more often. Let's cancel the next segment and just have yes. Miriam because uh, I just want to have you here in. All right. Like, it's, it's tons of fun. Oh, you already did it. The producer made a, a a corporate decision here, and we're gonna. It's Miriam Joar all show. Yep, all Jeez. the time. <laughs> uh, I want to talk some more about the new autonomous driving features that are coming in cars. Yeah. Uh, Audi put headlights in their A7 that are illegal in the United States, but they didn't activate uh, the new feature on them because no, they're waiting for thing the law. That drives me nuts. Like this is actually anything that's passive technology, in a sense that you know, it it's something that assists you. But that is really like ABS, you know, right. et cetera. To me, that stuff, like, I cannot believe the DOT is, is still not on top of Matrix headlights. It's only been five years since Audi introduced Matrix. Right. And the, the question is, we still have a law that says you can have high beams or low beams, but it doesn't allow for anything if in between. If you've ever driven in Europe with Matrix headlights, yeah, it's amazing. a revelation. Yeah. And the fact that it obscures in a little kind of like shadow beam, right. the car that's ahead of you or coming towards you is incredible and it tracks it it's incredible so if you guys don't know Matrix headlights is you can have them on high beams when it has a car coming towards it it blacks out that car so they don't get high beams only where the car is but the high beams shine around the car what what Yep. Stop talking about that crazy stuff on the radio. It's blew yeah. my mind. It's, just, it's, uh, it's incredible. They're, they're in all new Audi A7s, but the the feature is not activated because the law doesn't allow. Mm. We're going to talk about that and a whole bunch more technology. Our special guest in studio, Miriam Joie, is here. We're talking about car tech, and you can find all of that at Our Auto Expert 24-7. Online, on Instagram, on the Facebook, on the Twitters. And we'll have some new website news coming up. Don't go away. There's more to come with Nick Miles. Our auto expert will be right back. Welcome to the Fast Lane. Nick Miles is our auto expert. So drop it into gear. You've got a green flag. Here's Nick. So we had a surprise guest show up in the studio today. We were expecting to have her on the phone, but she showed up in person. Miriam Joie. Uh, how do people follow you? Let's let's get that out of the way first. Um, there's lots so of I do a weekly tech podcast about mobile technology, anything that's portable, personal. And to me, cars are large mobile devices inside of 
carrying them, you get in them, right? So it's also got car content. <laughs> if you're a car person, you should go. MobileTechPodcast.com. We're also on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and all the other platforms. Look for Mobile Tech Podcast. When Mercedes introduced the CLA at uh, CES this year, they called it the world's largest, most advanced wearable. There you go. See? I'm not sure I'm copacetic with that. I love it. <laughs> I mean, it's a stretch. But it's it's fun. My brain doesn't really get around it. But cars are becoming more wearable, aren't they? I think the technology on the, some of the new cars is, you know, there's so much software now. It's like an iPad on wheels. You look at Teslas, you look at, you know, any high-end car that has some sort of EV capability. The, the mechanical parts are actually pretty simple now compared to even... You know, the best of the gasoline or diesel cars. So, a lot of car companies who made traditional car parts like transmissions are now trying to wonder what they're going to be doing in 10 years' time because there's going to be no transmissions, there's going to be no gas engines. Yeah, you know, things are going to be different. So, companies that have survived on that for years won't be making the bulk of their money from that. I don't think they're going to go away. There's going to no. still be a hardcore uh, car lover, V8 horsepower, rev-roaring craziness about us. And, and I mean, even EVs, you need to transmit the power from that motor to the wheels in some way. That requires a reduction gearbox usually. Uh, one single speed essentially. So those need to be high quality parts. Their expected life, you know, is going to be 200, 300,000 miles without any oil changes on these gearboxes, on these reduction boxes. So that's where their expertise is going to come in. These guys know how to manufacture, how to pre precision machine gears that are super resilient to long term wear. I think this is where they're going to go. There are some very interesting portions of technology now with these vehicles. Let's uh, just visit a couple of them. Wi-Fi, for instance. Mm -hmm. uh, the new Ford Ex Edge and the Explorer is going to have Wi-Fi in it that radiates 50 feet outside of the vehicle. So cool. you go campsites and you can share Wi-Fi with 10 people in tents next to the car and just run it off the car. Wi-Fi, where it used to be something really just for luxury cars or a separate unit installed in the car, is pretty much the norm now. I mean, yeah, I think uh, it's a two-way street, right? On one hand, you get uh, yourself some hotspot action in your car or in your surroundings, but at the same time for manufacturers, it's telematics, right? They can diagnose your car, they can, and the biggest feature is, I think, you know, uh, we've seen this on some companies is you send a software update, suddenly the car does new stuff, right? Suddenly the car performs better. That's, I think, where we're headed, and you need connectivity, so why not give hotspot to everyone at the same time? Uh, I think it's coming, and it's going to be something of the norm. I went to the Jaguar Land Rover Research Center in Portland, and when I was there, this was about three years ago, they were showing me technology they were working on for the future, where, for instance, if you drove your Jaguar Land Rover out to the middle of the Sahara Desert, and you left it there for somebody to pick up, that person would just have to get close enough to the car where the car could read their phone, either near-field communications or Bluetooth, sense their phone and the code that was in their phone, the email that you'd sent them, read it, and then it would unlock and turn itself on and allow them to drive it. <laughs> and that technology, I think, is going to become more prevalent. So in the new Lincoln Aviator, their new SUV, which is about the size of the Explorer, you won't have a physical key to drive the car. You will send that key to your loved ones or your friends yep. or the service manager, and then they will be able to drive the car yep. until you disable it. The best part about this is Megan should be really excited about this. If your 18-year-old or 17-year-old son or your 15-year-old daughter goes out in the car and you should get on the phone with them and they're being a brat 
Just turn the phone off and they can get an Uber home. <laughs> that's it. Car disabled. Get an Uber home. You're done. I like that's that. That's funny. Idea. I yeah. like that idea. Yeah. Unfortunately, I'm a bit of a misogynist, but you know, <laughs> it's it's probably not something you should do with everybody. But the technology's completely changing on how we'll operate our cars, right? Yeah. When I was grounded, speaking of technology, my dad would just pull the spark plugs. So wow. Yeah, big difference, huh? See, that's funny too. <laughs> and someone like Miriam would probably have just screwed him back in because she'd have worked it out. Well, it took me a while to figure out what he was doing. But oh, eventually, yeah. you do. Yeah, yeah. I can do my own spark plugs now. <laughs> you learned, See, right? yeah, it was yeah. a lesson. It was a lesson learned. You're lucky, you're lucky it wasn't a boxer engine, you know, where this there on oh, the side, yeah. it's like a Subaru or something. <laughs> Yeah. The, heart, the, the thing is now with kids, this, this is my millennial complaining department coming out. The thing with kids nowadays is you, you can take kids away their car days, keys. Nick. They don't care. Yeah, they, they don't care. Yeah. Take the car away. They're like, whatever. I'll take, take a the lift. phone away. Oh, You'll yeah. be lucky to get out of the room alive. That's correct. Because they'll just take a lift if you take the car away. Yeah. That's it. Or like one of those little scooters, you know, or bicycle, like share, share bikes. Or Do you know, talking about technology, you know what I just bought? I bought the Segway Drift skates. Oh, did you fall yet? <laughs> I, haven't, I, haven't, I haven't even plugged them in. I'm kind of scared to put them on for the That's first awesome. time. I'm like, yeah, it's also Oregon's. So Can you video that? I will. <laughs> so there's a, if you don't They know, had them at CES, but they wouldn't let me try them. It's, it's a single wheel on each skate, oh. and you charge them, and it's one on each foot. And it balances. And you balance. So if you sort of lean forward, it'll go. If you lean back, it'll go. I've, I tell you what I've watched. Are you a skater? Uh, I can skate. I'm not a. I wouldn't say a skater, but I, I'm. I'm okay. I can. I can roller skate. No problem. I, I, I skated as a kid, so it's the principles are pretty similar. I'm scared of doing the splits. Oh, I can do that. <laughs> that's, that's the one thing I don't want to accidentally be going. Whoa! Ow! You not worried about the dogs? No, you, no. I, well, my German Shepherd is a little bit like she likes to go for the vacuum cleaner. Yeah. <laughs> Every time we vacuum. Which, you know, that's just, that's why we don't the vacuum. Robot. No, we don't vacuum. Welcome to the Vast Land. We have a, 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 we have She's a, a it's an absolute screaming girl. The one I know was fully loaded. It's like twenty-seven thousand dollars. Fully loaded. Had everything. Yeah, there is a deal. Jets are a good deal. All right, coming up, we're going to talk to Joel Hoffman about the Cadillac XT6. That's the vehicle that was introduced in the Detroit International Auto Show. That's as our auto export continues. And the outlook for the first quarter, meaning the quarter that is now twenty-seven days old, with Nick Miles is on the way. So, basically, uh, the stock took a bit of a dive on that, but uh, with further details to come here, just in uh, barely about 70 hours from now. Do they, they have to make uh, financing by the end of this month to, uh, to keep their debt 
replenished. Is that correct? Well, there's no firm rules here. There are a couple of things going on. So they have a bond payment of $920 million that is due in March. That is a very specific bogey that a lot of people have focused on because it's kind of a big headline number. Uh, they should have enough money to make that payment. They ended the previously reported quarter with about $3 billion in cash, nominally on paper. However, the company also has negative working capital, working capital here being uh, accounts payable, being larger than the receivables. So um, it is uh, not for sure where they stand. And of course, when they announced here a couple of weeks ago that they were going to lay off 7% of their full-time employees and an unknown number of their more temporary contractors, that is probably not a sign that uh, uh, basically uh, things are really, really good here in the short term. But again, we, uh, uh, we will hear more from them on Wednesday. And one of the possibilities is that they are going to get ready to raise new fresh capital, which is what many people have thought that they should have done here at any point over the last 18 months, but uh, they really haven't. They, but they're still selling cars, right? So uh, ultimately, oh, yeah, no, his no, income's still is, coming. Uh, so what's happening on the car from there, a couple of things, uh, ships passing in the night here. The um, U.S. federal tax credit got cut in half for Tesla as of the 1st of January. And clearly, there were a lot of people that have chosen to take delivery of a Tesla before then in order to capture that quote-unquote free that you get by doing it that way. The other thing that's going on is that they have now discontinued sales of their cheapest model S model, the S75D, for really unexplained reasons. They basically have to put in your order by this week, and then it's all gone after that. The third thing that's going on is that the first boats with the Model 3 cars have now left the port of San Francisco and are on route as we speak to both Europe and to China. So those deliveries are set to start within the next 30 or so days. So as the uh, demand goes down this quarter in the U.S. because of the uh, uh, partial abandonment of the uh, federal tax credit for for Tesla, they should be uh, able to fill at least part of that hole by uh, selling in the initial quantities of units of the Model 3, uh, for which there's an obvious backlog into both Europe as well as into China. Now, they they have reduced the price of the car, so hopefully that they will still have some stimulation for American buyers, right? But Yeah, what happened was that uh, right at the beginning of January, they said, look, we'll lower the price of the Model 3 by $2,000 to partially offset the $3,750 reduction in the federal tax credit. The problem is that, of course, a lot of people didn't know. Of, I mean, if people had known about that back, you know, in December, uh, November, and October, uh, you know, some people might have deferred their purchases till January or February, but everybody kind of, they really drained the pipe on, on that one. So I'm not sure how much that really helps here, at least in the near future, meaning for, you know, basically the first quarter. So, uh, but yeah, they, uh, they, uh, they dropped their pants by two grand on the price basically to try to shake the tree just a little bit more here in the U.S. in the meantime. So you know what I'll say here? I hear that uh, from some pretty reliable sources that potentially the cars that just shipped to Europe and Asia have autopilot version 3 hardware. 
so the next generation and uh, that might yeah, be coming to see. the US in the next two, two weeks or so. A very similar ha pattern happened when Autopilot 2 came out. It first was rolled out on European cars and then they announced about 10 days later the feature. So that means that to me, it means Tesla streamlining their operations significantly because they are, and that's possibly part of the reason for the price lowering. I'm not saying that strategically what you're saying doesn't make sense. I think it does. Obviously, to attract more buyers, you want to lower the price since the discount is gone. But I think that, you know, even over the last two and a half, two years or so, they're making cars. They're constantly streamlining manufacturing. If I compare my car with my friend's cars, we actually all have slight differences in like uh, glass tinting and stuff. Uh. And so it's really interesting how they think they're doing that. And of course, the holy grail is that new hardware that processes data way faster. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. All right, Anton, take a quick break here. We're going to go for some commercials. When we come back, I want to talk about the massive explosion of electric cars. I just got to ride in that uh, brand new Mercedes SUV electric in Las Vegas at CES. We'll talk about that and more when we return. More of our auto expert with Nick Miles is coming up. He's Nick Miles, and this is our auto expert. We're talking car tech on this morning's, or today's, I guess, uh, our auto expert. Just a couple of recaps for you. You can hear all the previous shows at ourautoexpert.com. Uh, there you can go and listen to all of the shows that we have done in the past. You can also read the latest automotive news, uh, plus see the latest videos. And this week, we actually uh, launched our tech website for car tech called uh, Test Miles. And Test Miles now also has a video player of all the latest car tech on it, so you can watch those videos, including the Audi A7 Matrix headlight, which we got to test in Napa Valley, which is one of the pieces of tech we were talking about. And of course, our auto expert is also across the social media platforms, including Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And that's also the best way to send us messages. You can send us messages there, and the whole team will answer your questions. One lady is here to answer all of our tech questions. This is Miriam Joie. She's in the studio with us. Hello. And we're talking about uh, car tech and the way it has advanced. One uh, area of car tech that's really making me happy is that for elderly people. My dad is in his late 70s, mm -hmm. scares the living heebie-jeebies out of me when he drives <laughs> and uh, the cars in the tech is actually saving him, saving us when he drives because wandering out of the lane is something he uh, he was the sharpest tool in the shed at one point he was the best driver he was amazing individual but as your sense of what's going on on the road your sense of the world diminishes a little bit uh, your skills aren't as sharp so one way in which we can feel safer about putting our parents in vehicles is by the advanced tech although there's a caveat that goes with that it has to do everything for you. You can't have tech that you have to interact yeah, with because yeah. he still has trouble signing on and off the web. Right. So if I give him a car that takes too much input, we're done. <laughs> it's got to be something like a Subaru Forester where the car is going to tell him if something's not right rather than him having to push a series of buttons to find it out. So that's one of the new things. All right, joining us on the phone is uh, Joel Hoffman. He is from Cadillac. And one of the big pieces of news that we had at the uh, Detroit Auto Show that just previously went by was the uh, announcement of the new Cadillac XT6. There was an XT5, then the 4, and now the 6, the big boy. So, Joel, is the set of Cadillacs complete? 
I think at this point, uh, in the near future, our, our fleet of crossovers is fairly complete. There's always potential for new products in the future, but with the XT4 joining the fold this past fall, the XT5 has been our volume leader, and now XT6, I think we've, uh, I think in our view, we've fairly well covered uh, the different customers that we're looking to, to, to please with our product line. So tell us about the six, because this is the big boy in the family, right? This is the uh, the big family hauler. Yeah, it is. Uh, obviously, the five is our two-row, uh, five-passenger version, and now the XT6 comes in, because we had a bit of an opening in our showroom. Uh, the space between the XT5 and, of course, the Escalade being a, a larger and a differently constructed vehicle left some room for the XT6. So the XT6 brings in a three-row vehicle with seating for either six or seven passengers, and what we really went after was a third row that was really comfortable and had the spaciousness to be usable. Uh, some of the offerings in this space in the market have third rows, but they just aren't as, uh, they just aren't really that usable from a, an adult perspective. And that's a, a part of the, uh, the market that we wanted to fulfill and really provide that catalog experience with headroom and spaciousness in a third row that it would really be useful both for uh, couples going out for dinner together, three couples, or if you pull the seats down, you've got room for a long weekend with lots of cargo or whatever you may be. And, of course, one thing we want to do in this new product is to go after active families who have either a number of kids or kids with friends that they're picking up and, and taking them and their stuff with them to do what families do. One of the big bombshells that got dropped just before the Detroit show was that Cadillac are looking to going electric. But this vehicle, as it stands, is it going to be gasoline? Is it going to be hybrid? The XT6, do we know how it's going to be powered? Yeah, as it stands, it's powered in the U.S. with a 3.6-liter V6. It's 310 horsepower and 271 foot-pounds of torque. Uh, that is our standard powertrain. There are some things going on with Cadillac. There's been an announcement about going electric in the future, and, and those things involve other products. Uh, we aren't really free to talk about all of those, but our standard offering here is the, the 310 horsepower V6, which we think really does meet the, the needs of what this customer is looking for. Um, it, it moves the vehicle very well, and I think when you get the chance to, to drive one, I think you'll be pleased at how responsive it is. Now, it's a Cadillac, so presumably the interior is going to be decked out uh, for American modern luxury? Yeah, that's right. Um, we have two different levels of interior that we offer. Uh, everything starts out with leather, with uh, the soft-touch surfaces and all the uppers, and a full contribution of uh, features that come with that. One thing you'll see on our instrument panels, we've gone with our premium luxury models, all real wood uh, decorative pieces on the IP and on the door trim. And when you go into the sport model, those switch over primarily to carbon fiber pieces and uh, all authentic pieces, real aluminums, real woods, uh, real stainless steels, all to give that feeling that, that, that the luxury car buyer deserves. And of course, if you get the platinum model, then you can move upgrade to leather to leather covered surfaces on the IP and on the door pads, armrests, 
uh, third row seat, all of it's uh, a high grade of leather. I noticed by looking at the exterior of this car that although you've managed to maintain the look of a Cadillac, it does look very different from anything that you've produced in the past. So it looks a lot more uh, sharper. The headlights are much narrower. The grille is much smaller. The air vents are huge around the bottom of the vehicle. So there's some proportion changes and and a real change to the design of the vehicle. Yeah, there is. We, we tried to build off of a couple of things. Certainly one thing that is unique to Cadillac is this very vertical signature of the headlamps and tail lamps, particularly at night. We wanted to maintain that. But as you may recall, a couple of years ago, we came out with a concept car called the Escala, which was received quite well. Oh, yeah. We built off of that to combine those vertical signatures and then a grill that was more uh, Escala-inspired and some horizontal elements in both the headlamps and the tail lamps, which starts to change the look of Cadillac just a little bit. And you're right, we wanted to bring an upright look to the vehicle. We went with a wider uh, track width on the car to give it more stance for two reasons. Partly because we wanted to give that third row space that I talked about, the higher roof line helps us do that, but also to fill that space between the XD5 and the Escalade as a vehicle that, that fills that, that opening both visually as well as um, from a capability perspective. You know, Cadillac, of course, part of the General Motors family, and one of the things that General Motors is famous for is its big, big, meaty uh, hauling vehicles, the Silverado, the Sierra. Uh, there is plenty of them in there. It seems that Americans do really, really well at creating bigger vehicles. It seems to be something that we score home runs on. Uh, this... Uh, was it a challenge or was it really just putting all that technology that Cadillac and the whole group has learned into one ve- single vehicle? Well, it was a bit of both. There's some things that we know about larger vehicles and, and both the, the things that customers expect and want to have in those vehicles, as well as some of the engineering challenges that go with a bigger vehicle. Um, so those things were kind of known. As we worked on this particular vehicle being a, a fairly large crossover, one thing that happens for us is as the, the vehicle and the structure gets bigger, and as you probably are well aware, uh, crossovers have at, at, in, the, in their basis a somewhat boxy outline. So part of the styling has to deal with that boxy outline, but you also have to have a structure that deals with it. And a boxy structure has some inherent weaknesses in it because of the, the shapes that you're allowed right. to use. And so the challenge we had there was how do we get a structure that's stiff enough to do what we needed to do to give us the performance that a Cadillac deserves. And that's one place where I'm really proud of my team is, is the work that they did in the all the unique structure under an XD6 is one of the stiffest structures we have. And it's the stiffest one in the, in the crossover family that, of products that we offer. So really an achievement there, and it allows us to do things in acoustics and suspensions that we wouldn't be able to do if we didn't have that foundational structure there. Joel, thanks for giving up part of your Sunday to talk to us. You're listening to Our Auto Expert, the new XT6 arriving in showrooms very soon. We've got more Our Auto Expert to come. More Auto Expert with Nick Miles is on the way. Our Auto Expert with Nick Miles.
Welcome back to the show. In the studio, Miriam Joie on the phone, Anton Warman, our uh, financial expert who writes for Seeking, Seeking Alpha and also Jen and Megan here. So, Anton, uh, I got the chance to, uh, to take some time in the new Mercedes electric SUV while we're in Las Vegas at CES, and it looks like there is a lot of new electric cars coming from reading your articles. Is the new Mercedes EQC going to be able to survive? Well, so what's going on here, just to paint the broader picture, is that there's a little bit of what I call a ketchup bottle effect. So between 2013 and 2015, many decisions were taken by many of the automakers based on regulatory requirements that are basically hitting and taking into full effect starting in most countries right about in the year 2020. And those decisions that were made back then between 2013 and 2015 are all coming to fruition roughly at the same time with a very long list of models hitting the market here in a short period of time. So by the end of 2022, we count 207, yes, that's right, 207 pure electric cars just outside of China alone that are going to be sold in some combination of, uh, of Europe and North America uh, that are all, essentially all of them, of a fairly long range, most of them 200 miles or much longer than that. So that is the big picture here. And, of course, Mercedes being a storied name, bringing out its first from the ground up, uh, pure electric EV here that will go into production this summer and first be on sale in Germany and then in the rest of Europe in the fall and China comes along in November, December and then in the US is supposed to get it in relatively early 2020, a year from now. That's the timeline on that one. Clearly the car looks good. I haven't driven it yet. Clearly you've been in it and on paper everything looks pretty good but keep in mind that they're going to be well over a year after Jaguar here right. and they're going to be at least a half a year behind Audi and uh, there will be others in the meantime that will have uh, come in with a very credible offerings most notably Volvo Polestar and on the lower price front Kia and Hyundai are really yeah. lapping it up in terms yeah. of providing for very good entries and of course we just saw the new Leaf at CES as well the extended range well the new Leaf uh, you could fool uh, you could fool any of us on that one because it looks identical to the one that you can go into your uh, friendly Nissan dealer and purchase right now today you could couldn't tell the difference of them at all. It just has 50% more battery capacity, which yields predictably 50% longer range, 226 miles instead of 151, and also 50% uh, more horsepower, which will help a little bit with the acceleration above 30 miles an hour. So, uh, you know, clearly it will depend uh, in terms of that, uh, the new leaf as to how they will price it. Rumors added they were going to price it between $5,000 and $5,500 more than the current one. I think that will be hard because if you actually do the math on that, that probably means that uh, when similarly equipped, uh, both Kia and Hyundai will uh, uh, look like they have a pretty good offering with their Kona EV, their Nero EV, as well as their Soul EV, all of whom will be in the market here in the weeks or months from now, depending on the geography. Some countries in Europe gets it before we get it here in the United States. And then, of course, uh, one of these days, Tesla will creep further downward in terms of the um, 
price list with the Model 3, they will uh, come out with eventually a slightly shorter range one, and they will take out some of the equipment like the glass roof and the leather seats and a couple of other trinkets, and it will slowly but surely make itself down to that uh, first promised $35,000 price point. And I don't think the Nissan Leaf uh, can afford to start, even with 226 miles of range, at uh, $35,000 in that kind of competitive environment. I mean, I think that car will have to be in not really much higher than where it is today, which is about 30000 even. So uh, I think a lot of these competitors will eat into Nissan's market share. All that said, in Europe, in uh, calendar 2018, the Leaf was up 95% year over year in sales. Yeah, they sold 88,000 Leafs in Europe in calendar year 2018, and that made it by a reasonably wide margin the best-selling EV in Europe. I think you made some really good points there, Anton. I think that we're going to see a very surprising uh, upheaval or, or, or rising of the EV market in the lower end through uh, Hyundai and Kia in particular, and then eventually Volkswagen when they get serious and come out with the replacement, uh, the, the Golf E replacement. Um, and I think that you're right about you know Tesla eventually hitting uh, the price point and maybe the Model Y will be very attractive because I think people love SUVs. But I'm disappointed, other than Porsche right now, who I think is really uh, doing something interesting, even though it's insanely expensive, I'm a little disappointed with what I'm seeing from Mercedes and Audi because I feel like they're not trying hard enough. When you think that the the Mercedes SUV is not going to be out till 2020 and doesn't have a range that's that it has a range that's less than 300, and my Tesla Model 3 does 310 today. It's been doing that for two years. It's like you know I feel like I, I was expecting more from the Germans, especially at that high end price point where they can charge a premium for more range and bigger batteries. I agree. I think that there are many of these models leave much more to be desired. And uh, I think that there are a couple of them, though, there are a couple of mitigating factors. Both the Jaguar and the Audi do have, uh, not that anybody really in their uh, right mind, or they do have some off-road capabilities and then, you know, two feet worth of water forging and all of that. All of those things take away a little bit from the range, but I think even adjusting for that, I think that uh, we certainly expected more. I do think that a couple of these models will deliver a lot better. I think that the Polestar 2, which we'll see unveiled here in a matter of just weeks from now, will deliver a 300 miles worth of solid range. We'll have 400 horsepower. We'll have all of these other goodies that will make it a more credible Model 3 competitor and um, I do think uh, that a couple of these other uh, other models as well will uh, uh, will will deliver a better results than uh, some of these other entries that uh, we have been talking about here. And we would be amiss if we didn't mention the fact that the Hyundai Kona, the EV version was part of their win as the North American Utility Vehicle of the Year the EV was wrapped in with a regular Kona so uh, you know already that means that these cars are becoming more and more accepted because people are saying you know we'll give it an award like the North American Utility Vehicle of the Year, uh, even, even though the gas one and the electric one were lumped together in that award. Are we going to see some surprises? And I'll tell you something I learned yesterday purely by accident. Nissan have five unveils at the New York Auto Show, including some long-awaited cars. Does that mean a new Z car? Does that mean a new Frontier? Does that mean a new electric car? GTR EV? Yeah. Well, what, what, what are we going to see in the next six months that we don't already know about? 
Well, if you look at the oldest nameplates in terms of a full redesign, you will certainly see the Frontier at the top of the list. I don't know. By the way, I don't know what any one of them will be, but Frontier seems pretty high up on the list. The other one is the XC60, which is a pretty good seller for them. It's the one that they make in Tennessee, both the Nissan version as well as the Infiniti version of it, uh, the Nissan Pathfinder slash the uh, Infiniti QX60. Uh, that one is really old in the tooth, uh, inside and outside alike, so you would think that that would be very high up on the list there. I don't think that we will see anything new on the EV front from uh, Nissan. They just showed their new concept in uh, Detroit, which is uh, you know 2021 type of car and on their entirely uh, new platform. But Miriam uh, brought up a good point about Volkswagen. We should really mention Volkswagen's all-new platform on the lower price front called the MEB, which will essentially be the um, replacement of the e-Golf as we know it today, enters production in Zwickau, Germany, in this November. They'll deliver maybe a thousand or two cars before year-end in Germany, and that car will never make it to the United States in that body, only the all-wheel drive SUV version will, and that's nine months after that. But still, if you look at the European market, that one will be a very, very competitive car because it'll be a rear-wheel drive based and will come in multiple, well, actually more than two. I think it's three different battery sizes. And uh, I think it'll be one uh, one of those cars that I think the European consumer will flock to in terms of both having the dealer and support network and having the style and the looks. And the charging network, the rear wheel drive, fun to drive. Yeah, and the yeah, charging network. Yeah, I share that, though. So the... Ionity is shared between, I mean, Ionity is designed as an open network, so theoretically all cars will share that, but I think if I look at the design of everything that we know about that car, it really hits a lot of the check marks. So uh, when that really hits there, I think whether you're a Kia or a Hyundai or a Nissan or any of these other ones, I mean, you'll be sweating bullets when the VW really be, will be available in Europe. And I think it's really sad that Volkswagen did not engineer to pass U.S. crash standards, which is the reason we're not getting it here in the United States. Uh, so I'm a little amiss on that. We'll have to go to Europe and test drive it, I guess. Uh, I just got an invite at the Chicago Auto Show to go to a special design forum with VW on their new plans for electrification in the United States. And does that mean that there are plans? There's something going to come? There's something changing? Well, the first car we get, they've been very clear about what they have in mind for the U.S. The very first car we get on this platform is the so-called, they uh, goes under the code name ID Cross, C-R-O-Z-Z. That is the all-wheel drive crossover version of this uh, uh, car that goes into production first in Zwickau, Germany, this November. And it will be made initially in just that factory in Zwickau. It just will start for U.S. purposes at the end of September 2020. And uh, so that is the very first car we get here, and uh, they've shown it only concept car form yet so the unveil of like the final production design of that uh, has not happened yet so i don't know maybe that's it all right what else what else we've got to look forward to in big car news coming up this year Oh gosh! Uh, I mean, it really uh, is. Um, you know, <laughs> you have uh, you have some pretty big ticket items outside the electric car world as well. I mean, you have uh, a the largest, biggest SUVs. You got the whole Chevy Suburban, uh, Chevy Tahoe, GMC Yukon, Cadillac Escalade. It'll be an all new one of those coming out. We have the uh, storied Wagoneer and Grand Wagoneer from uh, from Jeep, which is essentially going to be based on the Ram 1500 pickup truck. Those will all be seen at some point later this year in terms of high volume cars we also have the 
Ford Escape, which is a $350,000 a year just in the United States kind of seller. And we will see that in a few short months. It'll be in production here come August. So there are some really nice pieces of equipment. And you may have noted that Ford made the announcement last week that they will show their first all-electric crossover, the one that looks like a Mustang from the front and from the rear, but not from the side, uh, that starts production in April of 2020 in Mexico, uh, which will they promise will have over 300 miles of range and will do zero to 60 in some unbelievable amount of time. And uh, they haven't given the product a final name yet, but I think uh, what I've seen from the product, it's, uh, it's going to hit the bullseye as well. So that's going to be another one of those electric crossover SUVs right at the heart of the market will with perhaps a bit of a performance flare. I'll tell you what I know. And that is two things that you've mentioned there. First of all, that electric crossover, the the Mustang Cross, uh, that vehicle will be shown to the public before midsummer this year, as will the Bronco. Probably not at an auto show. They're saying that they'll do a private launch. I'll tell you what else I also was told on the inside is that uh, when I saw the new Escape, I thought Porsche Macan. I looked at it and I thought, and it's not been revealed to the public, I thought Porsche Macan. And the person that showed me the picture, their mouth dropped and they said, really? And I said, yes. And they said, you know, that's when we sent it back and asked them to redesign it because it looked too much like the Macan. <laughs> so that's what we got back. Yeah, All right. so everything you, everything you said, Nick, is 100% consistent with what I've heard. And I will add just one thing on the Ford Escape. It will be available both as a hybrid and as a plug-in hybrid version as well. All right, I like that. Anton Wolman, you can read his stuff at Seeking Alpha. Where can we get hold of you, Miriam? You guys can find me at the Mobile Tech Podcast. That's mobiletechpodcast.com. And on Twitter and Instagram, it's Tankgirl, T-N-K-G-R-L. All right, Our Auto Expert 24-7 at ourautoexpert.com. You can listen to previous shows. Mummytravels.net is where you can find Megan. And uh, Ryan, Jen, and I will be answering all of your social media stuff at ourautoexpert.com. And check out the new testmiles.com website for car tech.